Select the mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason G, DJ, movie writer, 80s guru, vehicle code name, Frontier. Wyatt B, sound engineer, movie writer, airman, vehicle code name, Dakota. Personnel approved. Assemble Mobile Armored Strike Command. Welcome, Mask fans, to another edition of MaskCast. Tonight is episode 11, and we will be talking about episode 9 of the Mask cartoon, The Oz Effect. My name is Jason, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, the Alex Sector, to my Bruce Sato. Wyatt, how are you doing tonight? That was a lot better than the last few you've had. <laughs> it took me uh, only 11 episodes to use a actual mask reference, didn't it? I was wondering if we would ever actually get to a mask reference. <laughs> You're hitting everybody but. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's just how I roll. That's right. Well, we just want to uh, thank everybody for listening and... April, we had a tremendous April for the blog. We beat our highest monthly total by over a thousand views. So we appreciate everybody coming over to the blog and uh, checking out episodes and talking mass cast. Yes, we really do appreciate. This is uh, like we said last week. We're having a blast with this. We are diehard fans of mask. As it's kind of obvious, we wrote a movie and we must be some kind of fan of it. And uh, here we are, week after week, really going over the episodes and, and it's a blast we're really reliving our youth by watching it uh, yes i don't know if you've been doing any uh make-believe playing like you're flying underhawk <laughs> or bulldozing with rhino i don't know what you're make-believing but i know i'm uh me i'm a helicopter guy but i really like uh i kind of like old thunderhawk i like being able to be in a hot rod and turning into another hot rod you know and it's yeah. off in the air well, I've got more choices to uh, choose from in my make-believe world. So, that is uh, true. You do have a little the, bit uh, more of an arsenal than I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still adding to it. I just recently added the volcano, uh, like, monster van, <laughs> I guess you would call it. So I keep adding along. I, I think I've pretty much got uh, the first three series now, except for maybe one. Nice. A couple of the fourth series, so yeah, I've I've uh, really went overboard with the uh, with the mask collecting now. No, no. I <laughs> <laughs> guess you can never overdo it. So you're ready to go to Oz, Dorothy? I guess I am ready to go to Oz. <laughs> Let's start the mask cast. <laughs> celebrated their harvest season for thousands of years. It's a sign of thanks to the food gods. Okay. Where that came from, I don't know, Jason. I'm not that way. <laughs> it's a show, you know. We we all kind of overdo it when we, we know we got people listening to us. <laughs> that is true. Um, back to our mass cast. We open up on a remote island, and in the 
deep jungle at a native ceremony with a journalist uh, reporting. You can see her just like a journalist would do, you know, kind of like radio broadcasting to herself in a tape recorder back in those days. And uh, the high priest starts shouting that the wind god is angry and the natives should beg for their mercy. Then a storm rushes in. The high priest continues to demand that the natives get on their knees while the journalist continues to report. Uh, Diehard journalist there. Then a tornado shows up and the natives are scattered. Then it disappears. The high priest removes his mask and we see that it is Rax. And he reports back to Miles that the plan worked like voodoo magic. And I thought it was kind of funny Right then, as he's starting to say, you know, get on your knees, I right away recognized it was Rax. Yes. It wasn't, it wasn't like the voice character was goofing up. You could tell that it was Rax imitating this high priest in the show. So I thought it was kind of funny. I already pointed him out uh, right away. But I liked about it how Rax got more involved this episode. Uh, basically, he got to do his own thing, so to speak, and not live under Miles's uh, thumb there. Yeah, he almost like you know commissioned him to to go out and handle the people as a you know a front using this high priest, and he kind of let loose on the the wind god is gonna level your you know village. Right. So uh, after uh, Sly talks to Miles, they cut back to Matt's office. And they are listening to the recording from the from Sarah, the re- reporter, from her tape player that was hanging in the tree. I, I don't believe it. You were right. It worked like voodoo magic. <laughs> I arrived late for the harvest celebration. Sarah was already there, studying tribal culture under your most generous grant. Thank you, Dr. Clay. That's most kind of you. Where did you find the recorder? In the village. All that distance away from Rags picked up his voice, and Matt doesn't recognize it right away. Um, There's a doctor there in Matt's office, and he explains that he and Sarah were there on a grant from Matt Doing a research on the on that native or that that tribe there, right? And he tells them this is the third village that's been leveled, and the the village people and Sarah now are missing. So Matt excuses himself from the doctor there for a minute. He goes into the mass computer room, and he scans the voice on the tape with the computer, and right away Rax's image appears on the screen. And he realized that Venom is behind this. You were right. It worked like voodoo magic. Isolate one word, please. Magic. 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 Venom. Scan the personnel files for the mask agents best suited for this mission. 
So he immediately calls in the agents. And we get a full team of agents this time, it seems like. Right. I think we have, uh, do we have everybody from Mask? I think we actually do. We have Bruce and Alex, Hondo and Buddy, Dusty and Brad, and then Gloria. But we don't have we don't have the full arsenal of vehicles, though. Uh, we have, no, we don't. But we have all eight agents. Right. Um, and Venom has their full agents so far. They got Rax and Miles and Dagger and Vanessa. Right. So everybody is here. That's right. But I still noticed Gloria is in the middle of racing or doing something with a car, and she ditches the car and runs. Yeah, it was kind of a... I don't know what kind of car it was because it like the whole body lifted up from the front when she ran off during, while she was being called. Right. But uh, this, yeah, this week I, I really didn't make any notes on the the agents being called because they just seemed to be pathetic this time. <laughs> Wasn't really any of the you know where you know Alex puts a snake around somebody else's head or you know and runs off or. Uh, you know, Hondo leaving the kid in the middle of the hallway and, and takes off, but right. well, it just seemed kind of mediocre to me. It did a little bit to me. I noticed, like, uh, Dusty, you know, second guesses leaving his pizza, and then he comes back and, you know, actually grabs his slice of pizza back. You have Brad in the middle of the store selling a guitar and ditches the customer. But, uh, but yeah, it was, a, it was a little bit more mediocre there. But anyway, after they're all called in, the scene moves to T-Bob swimming with a snorkel. Of course, at first glance, I'm sitting there going, what are they doing here? They've already given this T-Bob quite a bit of uh, emotion to him. Now he has to breathe. And right away, that's when he, after I think that right there's the answer, saying that he's actually testing it for Scott. But right. it still doesn't make sense. Is there any type of like wind machine or something <laughs> imitating the breathing function that a human might? I don't know. One more lap, T-Bob. I don't need to test this stuff. I don't even breathe. Well, I really appreciate you testing my gear, T-Bob. You ought to. I think I'm going to rust. I didn't read yeah. too much into it. It's just kind of uh, like a comical thing. But then Mac walks up. You know, Scott's all eager and says he's ready to go diving in the Caribbean. But Matt, after a little bit of back and forth, Matt basically says he's staying staying put, and uh, it'll have to wait. Yeah, Matt pretty much tells Scott to go find an encyclopedia for his, the pictures he needs, and he'll postpone the trip for now. But I thought it was funny that Matt, you know, he says, uh, I'm going on the trip, son. You're going to have to stay here and behind. But we never get anybody that's kind of, who's watching Scott, you know? They don't have, like, a nanny. <laughs> that is true. I've never seen, never really thought too much of it until you pointed it out. I've never, you know, okay, Scott, you're on your own. Yeah, well, the only time he did get kind of babysat was back in that lake. Right, when he was in the, uh, on the, the lake house there. So this time I noticed it, I guess, just mainly because they're going overseas to where the mission is, uh, and they really kind of, show that more and you know scott and t-bob are left to kind of watch over the mansion <laughs> but uh and then the other thing that got me was all right so t-bob is testing out the scuba gear um in the pool and i guess we've seen him in the water before but you know he's a robot is he, he's not short-circuiting in the water that's true so, you know he's not doing anything but he does he does come out of the water 
saying that he doesn't breathe, but he can rust. Well, true. Anyway, so we get back to the mass cave. Yeah, we're back at the mass headquarters, planning room, and they discuss that there are four islands, three of which have had these uh, tornado-like storms appear and disappear. So they suspect Venom will hit number four next. So, those are the details, except for one. Three villages have been, uh, no pun intended, taken by storm. There's only one left in the area. You think it's Venom's next target? Angels give, demons take. One more time and good old English partner? He's got a point. Venom's no angel. And if we don't shut them down, they'll keep taking until they get what they want. Bruce is full of proverbs this this week. And, yes, he is. You know, he, he quips the first one here. He says, angels give, demons take. That makes no sense. <laughs> to me, I mean, in, this, in the context of the scene. Yeah, it didn't make any sense to me. But, of course, you know, Matt understands this. And, we, of course, we see Dusty... Obviously doesn't get it, but Matt... As usual. Right, but then Matt understands it and says that Venom is no angel, so he states that they need to take Venom down. Right. And Matt finally, after all the puns that we've had through nine episodes now, he finally says, no pun intended, on the the little one-liner he says about the the three villages being taken by storm. (laughs) and I guess he he's shown a little bit of sensitivity finally for you know these villages that got wiped out. And he says no pun intended, right. but finally we get that little <laughs> little phrase to ease back on all the the quips, as you say. So, but they're back at the room. They energize the masks. They roll out, and we get to see the first glimpse of the blue vehicle transport plane, just for like a couple seconds. Right. And, that uh, was, you know, it it is kind of elaborate if you think about it, or maybe I'm thinking too much about it. But you have two. It looks like it has almost two fuselages uh, to make it like the rear tail end. And mm-hmm. It's a huge, huge body. Of course, it has to take all those vehicles. And the only thing I can come up with in my mind, uh, being here, uh, you know, in the in, in the Air Force, we have that C five transport, and uh, I know roughly what it can haul, and I just can't see it. Um, I really don't know if I could see it hauling all of those vehicles in in a C5. So maybe that's why Matt made up this big, wide, new plane. I don't know. It's cool, nonetheless. Yeah. They, they include it uh, on the long trips, and I would have liked to seen them kind of, you know, as they roll out, they pull up to the plane and then take off or, or something like that just to try to extend the scene a little bit. Yeah. But they they uh, they see him flying across the ocean. They arrive at the last destroyed village, and they start to search for clues. This is where Sarah and the villagers disappeared. Benham really leveled the place. See if the storm left anything behind that might help us. And Dusty finds some people in the temple. He kind of happens upon them as he's walking up the stairs and he's there. And the older man from the village uh, tells of a city in the sky that swept up everything and the people. And then uh, we cut right to Venom's little hideout camp. 
and uh, they're talking about uh, a new shipment coming in. We're not too certain at this point, you know, what's going on or what's causing these tornadoes and what's Venom's stake in the whole matter. But they do say that they're going to plan to attack the last village, and that's when we get to, we cut right to Buddy, who is in disguise. We finally get to see the master of disguise in disguise. Right. <laughs> They they did the whole picture in picture process again, except it was with three, and it was kind of like a uh, kind of like a three way conversation with Buddy, kind of the background. What's our next move, Matt? To catch a tiger, one must be its prey. Good idea, Bruce. We'll use our master of the skies. Uh, you see, Brad yes. asking, "Well, who you know? What are we going to do next?" And then. We have Bruce saying, to catch a tiger, one must be its prey. <laughs> and, you know, moves on to Matt saying, yes, we're going to send one of our own in. And here's, here's our master of disguise, Buddy. And I kind of like the sound effect as they're blipping out. The yeah. Mask creak or whatever sound effect they use. I actually like that. It was almost like Skype for 1985. Yeah, really, it was. <laughs> That was pretty cool. And then, you know, Buddy comes up upon the, the other village, the new village that hasn't been destroyed yet. And he's reporting back via a necklace comm link that all is normal. And, of course, just as he says that, you know, all, all crap breaks loose. So far, everything's normal. Okay, Buddy. Stay in touch. The wind god is angry. Beg for his mercy. The wind god is angry. On your knees, or the wind god destroys the village. Do not run on your knees. Beg for his mercy. Venom just corralled the villagers. You better roll. You see the villagers begin to walk away, and then all of a sudden they, they like, decide to yield and, and, okay, well, take the knee and... And then Buddy, it's like Buddy is the last villager, you know, that yeah. actually gets down. And he communicates back to Matt what's going on, and Mask rolls out. And they have another very cool picture-in-picture -picture or split-screen um, of the agents in the vehicles and their masks being put on there real quick, and it's just kind of boom, 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 boom right across the screen. They put their masks on. Right. I thought that was neat. That was. I, I liked how they did that. So then the tornado appears, and we briefly see, like, the beginning edge of a UFO. Then it flips into in, on the inside with Miles saying, Get ready, suckers, for the ride of your life. <laughs> and then, of course, Mask comes on the scene to intervene. Get ready, suckers, for the ride of your life. Like Venom shows up, Sly, he comes into view, he shoots a heat-seeking missile, and Matt uses Thunderhawk to shoot a like a decoy missile, and it goes in front of the missile and kind of follows its trail, and it blows up on the side of the mountain there, or back behind the mountain. Right. And then we got Jackhammer shooting at Firecracker, and we see Hondo use the spare tire again. Yep. Well, it's 
been a, a maybe the first or second episode since he's used it. But uh, he uses the spare tire, shoots out the blades on the side, and it slices through Jackhammer's tire, and it wrecks into a tree. Right. And Vanessa then calls in for backup. Right. And you notice how exhausted she kind of sounds? Like, that. all that was like... And she's just a passenger. I thought that was kind of funny that, you know, she's... Oh, Miles, you got to take him out. Really? <laughs> no! Venom, alert! Mask is near the village. We need a backup. Mask? I'll give you more than backup. And then just as she calls in for backup, then we get the mask vehicles getting kind of thrown around by the tornado. Right. And the people are then gone, including Buddy, and we see his communicator necklace um, laying on the ground. Just before the commercial break. When it fades yeah. out, so there's yep. a suspense that something happened. Everybody's gone. What's happening? Right. And then they come back from the commercial. Matt finds it. And we get Bruce. This is the third time now. Yep. With another saying. A giant cannot hide. And, of course, they're referring to the tornado. So Matt suspects that it, it was actually created. The tornado was created. Uh, then through mass. Through a, I, I've been starting to call it a mass cuddle where they're all kind of. Yeah. At the site, they're trying to do something quick, decisive, whatever, and they uh, they come to the, the conclusion that uh, Matt can use Spectrum to follow the Ion Trail. So then Matt enlists Brad to fly along with him in Thunderhawk while the rest of the team is uh, told to follow behind on land. Right, and then they cut to the mine where Venom is using the people as kind of slaves and... The Venom thugs, they're kind of cracking the whip, telling them to keep working. And we notice Sarah above the snake pit, and she's on this, like, pedestal that's above all these snakes. So I'm not sure why they kind of singled her out there and not to be in there working or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. To me, those Venom thugs kind of look like Bruno Shepard, which we'll see later on. Did you kind of notice that? I saw, like, a vague resemblance, but I didn't even – I really didn't – see too much or think too much into it that's the that was the immediate reaction i had that they kind of look like bruno but uh anyway so buddy is shown he's amongst the people working in the mine there and then it cuts to matt in thunderhawk and he's using spectrum to follow the path that was some pretty cool animation there yeah. kind of showing the the pathway through the the ravine the, there kinda, the ravine right um, then we cut back to Venom. Jackhammer, he gets a signal inside the vehicle that Mask is approaching. It's, it's kind of like a some kind of warning signal. Yeah. I thought pretty cool. I thought that was kind of neat. It looked like, uh, and again, me being the vic- the kind of gar- car nut, I kind of look at, looked at it as he opened the glove box. And that's yeah. where that monitor kind of moved out, positioned itself outward, and then that's how it picked up that Mask was on its way. Kind of James Bond style yeah. there. So Gator and Firecracker are coming and they can't get stopped and they notice they're in quicksand. And it's told that Venom has kind of set this quicksand trap. And Alex and Bruce get out to the rescue and Rhino behind them. They didn't make it into the quicksand. And uh, they use their masks to rescue the team first. <laughs> 
Oh! I say, hang on there, old chap. Jack Rabbit, on. Thanks. Lift up, on. Alex uses uh, Jackrabbit to pull, uh, was it Hondo, I think he pulls out? Yeah, he pulled out Hondo, and then Bruce used and Lifter Bruce, to bring uh, Gloria and Dusty out together. Right. And then they end and up then, using Rhino's winch to pull out the vehicles with Alex using Jackrabbit to kind of hover around and, and put the hook on each vehicle to, to winch it out. Question. Answer. Why did we not use Lifter there? <laughs> I the actually vehicles. asked the same question in my mind. I'm like, why? Lifter can hold all types of stuff. We find out later how much Lifter can really hold. Exactly. Yet he chose to use Everyday Winch. And on top of that, they added like a little snag. Literally, when they were trying to pull out Gator, the winch cable snapped. And... I see Alex, you know, he's sitting up there holding the cable together. He goes, okay, Hondo, give me a shot of blaster. I'm like, wow. Look out. <laughs> and and forgive me, yes, I am an 80s fan, but I've been into Smallville lately, and I know the show, the series is finally closed, but I like to watch watch and rewatch DVDs. Anyway, I'm sitting there thinking of of this, the, the heat vision uh, with yeah. Clark Kent as he's, like, learning to focus it. So, like, from broad stream to, like, narrow beam type of thing. So I'm sitting there going, okay, Alex, you are really trusting. Because that's a big beam, even for what I think it is on a cartoon to to get shot at, kind of. <laughs> but Blaster's been used for kind of multi-purpose. I mean, we've seen it, like, disintegrate those beams that were on top of... Dusty. Uh, on top of Dusty in one of the episodes and then we've seen it kind of cut through things and now it's kind of fusing things together. Right. So of course spectrum, it, it has, you know, different functions. Yes. Functions as well. Right. So, but anyway, so, uh, right after, uh, the Hondo uses blaster to refuse the cable. I found it kind of interesting. They remove their masks to talk to each other. Yeah. They usually just kind of talk, and then they decide just to take them off and put them under their arm to to talk to each other. But um, so they talk there, and then they cut back to Matt. He's using whisper mode on Thunderhawk. Yeah, that was actually kind of neat to see. Leave it to Venom to turn a paradise into a prison camp. Hit the whisper mode. So he's trying to sneak up on the mine, and Brad uses the scanner inside Thunderhawk to see inside the mine and find out, basically, that they're mining emeralds. Right, and I thought it was um, really interesting that, again, 85 technology, and we have X-ray vision that's clear-cut X-ray vision, you know, on Thunderhawk. But, yeah. you know, again, 80s technology, we had a similar thing with Kit. On Knight Rider, Kit could all somehow see inside uh, mountains and so forth, but that's another discussion altogether on a different <laughs> episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we have Matt, you know, says mask on, 
and we get to see both masks for Matt and Brad be put on from above. And I've tried to figure out mentally because we never see a rail system. We don't see an arm system. Yeah, just where are those here. masks stored? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, they, came, they come in and they shoot out four sonic uh, missiles that end up sending like a piercing alarm. And Miles has started trying to start up this wind machine. And I guess the sonic or the, this alarm is so piercing that he bails out of the wind machine. So here it is. The wind machine's taking off on its own. It's starting to cause a big stir. Buddy, during this time, Buddy is able to rescue Sarah from the snake pit. And then we find out that, one, the snakes were supposed to be rattlesnakes. I actually thought they were cobras. Then we find out that they're actually toys. Because, you know, (laughs) Buddy just rips them apart. Oh, here's the batteries. Yeah. (laughs) That was kind of, I don't know. Yeah, I kind of I guess I would say cheesy yeah. that he would do that, but so anyway, so the people have escaped from the mine. We have this battle now the that we are seeing pretty much every episode with with uh, the Venom and Mask vehicles. Rhino, I thought it was comical. He uses the grill to bump Jackhammer a couple times and you see Vanessa kind of getting, you know, up in the that, uh, Jackhammer's that was, turret. Yeah, I liked that. Then we see Miles using Switchblade to shoot a missile to destroy, basically, his own machine. Right. The machine, Matt? What do you think? We can't crash it. Too many people below. Top this, mask. And it stops... Uh, basically turns it off is what it looks like. Yeah, it blows up, but then it basically stops the machine, and it starts falling down towards the people that have just escaped. And then Matt radios down to Bruce and says, use uh, Lifter to, you know, help the situation. And he uses Lifter on this huge machine to point it over into the ocean. And it crashes into the ocean, and the water starts to fry the circuits in the uh, control room there of the machine. And then we just get that huge explosion underwater. Right, which I thought was kind of kind of neat because it was actually like a slow motion, dramatic destruction. Uh, just looked looked like that's what they were trying to go with and, and the effects and so forth. And uh, kind of to me, they took a little bit of longer time with that with that clip, but it was still pretty neat to actually yeah, see. Yeah. And then we see Miles, you know, as he's flying away and changing out to, to jet mode on Switchblade. You haven't seen the last of me, Mask. You haven't seen the last of me, Mask. Can't have an episode. Well, I guess we can. We, I think it was a couple episodes ago where we didn't get a final, uh, a final line out of Miles before he left. But then it kind of ends, I don't know, Matt, he just basically apologizes to Sarah for taking so long to rescue her, and they all kind of laugh about that. Right. Which I thought was kind of weird. They made a joke out of a rescue. Uh, maybe it was to lighten the mood after a, you know a traumatic event, uh, but I don't know. Um, then we move on to the <laughs> PSA. You know, Scott and T-Bob are trying to make Matt breakfast. 
We see T-Bob uh, is impatient now. We see another emotion out of T-Bob. He's now impatient with the toaster. And he ends up sticking a fork into it. Aren't we all? It. Oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> so he sticks a, you know, sticks a fork into it, and he gets shocked, which is kind of actually funny to watch how he gets shocked. He's up, you know, he's up in the air shocked. Um, and I love, I love how Scott says, you could be electrocuted or hurt seriously. Either way. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is I it being electrocuted uh, pretty serious? <laughs> I would think so. But... <laughs> And like we said, like, like last week, the PSA actually had something to do with the episode. This one, not so much. But the whole point of it was not to stick anything in the toaster because it might electrocute you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, uh, anyway, what do you give it this week? Well, I might be a little overcritical than, uh, than you. <laughs> I got a feeling we're going to be off on this one, but... I am going to give it, if I could give it a three and a half, I would, but I'm going to give it a three. Um, I, it was nice to have all the agents in the episode. The call-ups on the mass side were kind of, you know, like we said before, they were kind of lame to me. Um, I wanted more to kind of lead up to the, the blue transport plane. When we saw like maybe three seconds of it, um, would have been cool to kind of incorporate that a little bit more. And... Buddy, the master of disguise, uh, Mr. White Boy over here, <laughs> <laughs> kind of blends in with these tribesmen. You know, right. how would you not kind of <laughs> notice that? Um, that I don't know. That just kind of struck me as funny. The whole winch versus using lifter there uh, to save the vehicles in the quicksand. That just didn't sit right with me. That just kind of <laughs> seemed stupid. Um, I did. There was good animation in this episode with the split screen and the picture in picture. The explosion at the end was good. Um, too many Bruce sayings. Give me a couple. I want two at most <laughs> per episode, please. Thank you. Um, the whole rattlesnake thing at the end, and I just didn't like the PSA at the end either with the electrocuted or hurt seriously. That I don't know. Didn't right, see, but. My question is, what happened to the millions in emeralds? They didn't really, you know, if they were going to end the episode, I would like them to, you know, have the emeralds like in the back of the transport plane or something and taking them to, you know, somebody. Or Yeah, we could have also given it back to, you know, Mass could have given them all the emeralds that were obviously there for the, they were the natives' property beforehand. Could have given it back and just said, hey, here's your emeralds that, bad guys were trying to take from you. Right, right. And what really kind of chapped me on this one was they used the girls in the episode, but they never used their masks. Uh, we don't get their vehicles. And there wasn't much dialogue. There was a little bit more with Vanessa than Gloria. We get Gloria talking during the, you know, the planning stages there at the beginning, but there was really no purpose for them being there. Which kind of, I don't know, it didn't sit right with me. I wish they would have used the girls more in the episode since they were going to be there. But we didn't have any Scott or T-Bob meddling like throughout the episode either. They were you know, back home. And I don't know. I Everybody's always critical of how you know Scott and T-Bob and how they're used in, in Mask. But if they're used in the right way, 
it's good. It's good for the episode, I think. And we just didn't get, you know, we just got bits and pieces of them during the episode, and that was about it. Um, the voice activation thing for the mask, and and in the uh, what we call the mask cave, the car there, he you know he says uh, mask headquarters, and the car you know drives off by itself. Right. So that kind of voice activation, we haven't had that throughout the whole. I don't know. That didn't sit right well with me either. I'm being like totally critical today. Yeah, you're do- you're uh, you're usually you're imitating what I usually do. <laughs> I overanalyze all the stuff. I will end it. I will end my little tirade here with saying <laughs> it was a good one-off kind of episode. Um, if you're kind of coming into the series, you haven't watched the first, you know, eight episodes. But for me, having watched them, there was just too many nuances, I guess. To uh, to give it higher than a three. So what did you give it? Well, it was a hard rating. I'm, I'm like you. If we could do a three point five, I would. But I went actually up. Um, I went up to a four. Pretty much the same reasoning. Uh, but what I guess what gave it the edge for my rating was the animation. Uh, you got to see more animation, more uh, uh, more special effect animation. I liked the voice command. Maybe it's because, you know, I like Night Fighter 2. It's all voice command. I kind of like that. So that's maybe that's why I liked it so much. But like you, I, I wish they would have used the girls a little bit more. I, I wish we could have seen a little bit more use of T-Bob and Scott than just, you know, oh, Dan, and then the PSA. <laughs> um I like Scott and T-Bob, you know, for better or worse, I like them. Yes, there are times where I think they're too much or, or not in the right context or whatever, but I like seeing them out, out there causing a little bit of, a little bit, a little bit of grief, uh, yeah. for the gang. But, uh, one, one thing I will mention too, that I was kind of disappointed. If you listened to the last episode of mass cast, um, we were kind of curious to see if they carried over at all, since all the there's a ton of vehicles that were destroyed. That's true and, in the episode, and they really didn't they really didn't carry it over. Which I didn't take that against this episode, but no. uh, it would have been nice since we're kind of going through these one by one to to kind of have a little carryover them working on the vehicle or something at the beginning. Right. So, did you see any tie-ins to the script? I saw three tie-ins. I don't know how many you counted. I saw three. What did you see? I didn't really notice too many. I the only thing I put in my notes here was that uh, Spectrum and its kind of multiple capabilities, Spectrum and Blaster in the episode, and how we kind of do that mainly with Spectrum. That um, it's got kind of the infrared, you know, vision. It's got some other capabilities that we kind of tie into the the plot so that's really all i took away what what did you take away i saw uh the rhino ramming jackhammer because that is one one of our bits uh in one of the uh confrontations they have we have rhino kind of racing up behind jackhammer and and extending the grill ram out and you know knocking jackhammer uh basically kicks it off to the side of the road uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, and then the the other one is um, like you said, multiple functions on the max uh, 
we when we toyed were, were developing the the idea of what to do with the masks we um went into it this is a starting this is a ground up uh development of mask and venom so the masks are are really in their infancy when we see them or when when we all see them on the movie uh spectrum is the only one that actually has multiple functions right now if we get a sequel out of it we'll have lots more functions on all the masks but we'll see <laughs> exactly yes hopefully we'll get some uh we'll, get, we'll have some more capabilities if that does happen but we just had one uh fan comment this week and it was actually anna she commented twice she says uh this is a great episode i love the part where buddy dresses up as one of the natives and the zooming in on his microphone when he has disappeared I also like the character Sarah and the mood and background music in the beginning of the episode. I think this episode is much better than last week's. I was thinking since there were so few women in the mass series, maybe you should make up for it by having some other female characters that aren't part of Mask or Venom like Sarah was in this episode. And that's interesting. I mean, for the script, uh, I'm trying to remember if we do have some other characters besides... Well, I, I know we have some uh, male characters besides the the mass team. Right, uh, we have uh, doctors and, and uh, some other, basically, you know, bit part people in place. Um, I think we only put two women in the script. Actually, there's more than that. We have some, I guess, what you would call extras that are, you know, women and and men in the script that are not major parts. Of, you know, the story kind of revolved around Sarah at the beginning and, and kind of at the end there, which we're not, you know, doing with the, with our script. We're not, you know, centering it around the, somebody that's outside of the mask community, so to speak. But it's a good point. I mean, and with the cartoon as well, we haven't seen many, you know, other women characters come in. We had the girl in the very first episode, uh, was it Dr. Stevens, I think, was her name? Yeah. That's uh, filming the meteor as it, you know, has crashed and stuff. And then I think we have the uh, Star Chariot episode. We have the boy and his mother. Um, so we're getting some characters that are kind of outside the mass community that, that Matt is helping uh, pretty much, I think, in every episode. But that's a good point, Anna. We appreciate that feedback. That's an interesting uh, perspective there. Yeah. Well, our next episode will be episode 10 for our mask episodes. And what is that going to be entailed this week? It's called The Death from the Sky. And it's Venom using a tractor beam to steer a meteor towards Earth, which threatens to destroy a major city. That sounds interesting. Yes, it does. And next week with episode 10, that'll end basically the first two weeks of the original cartoon airing. September 30th to October 11th in 1985 and I was thinking for the next episode after that of MassCast episode 13 that why we would go back and kind of give an overview of episodes 1 through 10 we could talk about our ratings um, we could talk about maybe our favorite or least favorite episodes and moments in those first 10 episodes what do you think about that? Sounds like a good mask cast, and I'm sure all our fans out there will, would be intrigued to hear 
kind of a synopsis of what we've been doing for the last 10 uh, mask episodes, uh, as well as maybe we can highlight the special mask cast, like with, with Bill. Sure. And uh, we had one about the, actually the introduction, the very first mask cast that we had, uh, we can kind of highlight about, you know, learn about us, the writers of, of the script. It was actually before we called it mask cast. Right. That was the first, uh, first podcast, but it'll be fun to kind of, for anybody that's kind of come in, you know, in these later episodes to learn about what we've been doing since the beginning and kind of wrap up uh, what, how, what we've been doing so far. That's right. Well, that wraps it up for us. On behalf of Jason, this is Wyatt, and you've been listening to MassCast. Bad.